In the city of New York, a crime is committed every eight seconds. But just across the river lies a quiet town called Garrison, New Jersey, where New York's finest return home. The hero cop, unwilling to trust the system, jumps from the George Washington Bridge. Today, he is laid to rest here in the cemetery at Garrison, New Jersey. So what brings you down Fair City? I heard it was a way of life out here. Thought I'd check it out for myself. What are we, uh, like the Amish now? It's a place where the sheriff wears the badge, but the cops own the town. My jurisdiction ends at the George Washington Bridge. But half the men I watch live beyond that bridge, where no one's watching. I'm watching. In fact, you're the sheriff of Copland. He always dreamed of becoming one of them. I'd like you to meet Sheriff Freddie Heffler. Freddie's a hell of a guy. Well, you should call me. But now, he has uncovered something that could force him to choose between protecting his idols and upholding the law. Bandages and dead, you know it and I know it. Do you have any idea how connected he is? It's over. The case is closed. You butt head with these friends of ours? You're gonna come at them head on? I offered you a chance to be a cop and you blew it! Being right is not a bulletproof vest, Freddy! What are you gonna do, Sheriff? You gonna arrest the whole town? Everybody's watching you, Freddy. Sylvester Stallone, Harvey Keitel, Ray Liotta, and Robert De Niro. Copland. Welcome back to Reconcinimation. I am John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is your podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and checking out how they hold up in 2019. Right? It's still 2019. Yeah, we're still there. We're, we're chugging along right towards the end, but uh, we are still in 2019. As of this recording. And we're done. You know what? We're do- you've got to be happy. We're we're out Me? of that Halloween season. Woo! We're we're done with horror movies for a little while. Mm-hmm. You never know when they're gonna when I'm gonna sneak them back in here. So but. glad to be gone from that. <laughs> like, bring on the, the holiday cheer and the comedies and the the slapsticks and uh, the dramas, the heavy dramas. That's yeah, and we're we're going to be getting there in the next couple of months, some holiday season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did have some good episodes. We had we had some fun with Silver Bullet and Love. Tremors. Love these movies. You had a great time with Tremors. I was very happy with all of our October selections. Yeah. Like I had a really good time. It was it was a little more on the acceptable range for your for my your, acceptable yeah. range. Yeah. You you made a consideration for my reconsidimation, yeah. and uh, I appreciated that. It like less slumber party massacre, more yeah. invasion of the body snatchers, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. A thinking man's movie, th- <laughs> and woman's woman, also women. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it's it it feels like it's been a while since uh, our Halloween two episode. Which you can check out in the archives www.reconsidimation.com. Yeah, I guess it's been two weeks. Yeah, but it feels a lot longer. Yeah, there's a lot. So much has happened, and, we, and we've lost some legends along the way. People have gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just the uh, you know want to put out there 
Robert Evans and Robert Forster both passing in between our, our previous episode and now and and you know those are two big figures um, in in Hollywood for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I initially wanted to do a Robert Evans tribute this week, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like. You know, if you're going to do a Robert Evans tribute, you got to do Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite ready to, to dive all the way into that one. Yeah, it's it's hard. So you said you called me up. You said, Dave, forget about it. It's Chinatown. Can't do it right now. And I said, OK, let's do, I don't know, something else. Something with a, bit, a heavy drama. Something I, like, I really sink my teeth into. But uh, we will get to an appropriate time to... Uh, honor these these yeah. passing. What are some of the other things from Robert Evans or Robert Forster that you really? I mean, enjoy? Robert Evans is uh, there's uh, it's an enormous list, but you've got Rosemary's Baby, you've mm-hmm. got uh, Love Story, obviously Chinatown, mm-hmm. uh, Marathon Man, Godfather. Almost, I, w- I don't know if I would say most importantly, but that <laughs> in Chinatown definitely the top there. Um, but huge influence and. He ran Paramount Pictures through the new Hollywood wave and revived that studio out of the old school system that it had been really stuck in and was and it was plummeting. Wow. And once, you know, mostly with The Godfather coming along and and spearheading this movement uh, for the studio, it was a whole breath of fresh air. And and he led the way. And and he was, you know, as far as a studio executive, he was a real creative pioneer that let these voices of from the 70s be heard mm-hmm. and it changed you know it changed cinema and still is highly influential and and not only that it's the people that he mentored and along the way and and uh we, we'll get into that when we eventually do a robert evans tribute show or a portion of a show that we kind of go through his career a little bit yeah um but yeah that was uh it was a sad sad day here on, on recon cinema studio lot mm-hmm we we lowered the flags to half mast, the flag of course of, uh, well the flags there's different flags all throughout that yeah. celebrate cinema history. Like kind of like being in an AMC theater and you just see movie quotes that everybody knows. We have flags. There's a flag and it says I'll be back. And there there's a flag. It says <laughs> the kid stays in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we're we it's it's that cheese factor I really wanted to bring to the studio and and do that. And the, you did it. The memorable quotes. There's still a, there's even one that just says what's up doc. I just I mean Bugs Bunny. Yeah. He's been shown in theaters for decades. <laughs> he belongs here. We love you Bugs. And that's my Bugs Bunny tribute. <laughs> And uh, just to, to mention Robert Forster as well. Yeah. Uh, so many great movies. So many from Medium Cool to Alligator, which is mm-hmm. a big, if anyone knows me, and I think we talked about it way back in year one on our Jaws episode, but I've got a traumatic experience with the movie Alligator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Robert Forster was the hero in that film. So, you know, he helped get me through that. He, he saved the day. He saved the day. But don't you dare forget Delta Force. Delta Force. Okay. Sure. That is a, a masterpiece. Jackie Brown. Yeah. Fast forward. Oh, okay. Jackie Brown. <laughs> you know, possibly Quentin Tarantino's finest film. Mm. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say with mm-hmm. a question mark. It's certainly my favorite. But mm-hmm. um, Robert Forster is just fantastic. He always felt like a, you know, a real regular guy. Yeah. Very identifiable. Uh, yeah, especially in Walking the Edge, 
where he played a character named Jason Walk. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I want to see that. <laughs> Walking the and his name's Walk. Yeah. This is, I didn't even know thought? they did that. Yeah. I thought this was like a, a a crime procedural thing that they did on CBS. Like the Mentalist. <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Jack Mental. John, Jack, John, <laughs> Jack Mental. Um, uh, but yeah, Robert Forster was a fantastic actor. Yeah, um, you know, made a, a ton of appearances, small appearances, in a lot of movies the last fifteen years or so. He's you know great in, in some David Lynch things, Mulholland Drive, and mm-hmm. uh, he was great as Frank Truman in the new Twin Peaks. One of the uh, mm-hmm. I thought one of the better better roles there, um, but it's definitely a loss, and it's uh, sad to see him go. And, and we'll also do another show where we look back at his career as well. Mm-hmm. So, wanted to just acknowledge that. All done. Yeah. So moving back to to where we're at currently. What are we done? It's Noir Vember. Everybody's no. celebrating Noir Vember. Noir Vember. Noir Vember. All right. I'll I'll play along. <laughs> so, but it was it was hard. So, I'm, you know, film noir is you know one of my, my favorite genres of film. Mm-hmm. But for the time period that we're looking at, there's really not a heck of a lot. There's some stuff in the '70s, but I feel like we've kind of hit the '70s a lot. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something '90s, and there's really not a lot of film noir, and it was just kind of. Uh, you know, transitioning to neo noir, mm. um, so there really wasn't a lot of options, and and Copland came up, and I said, you know, what the heck, yeah. let's do it. There's some topical things here. Mm. Robert De Niro's got a big, big movie coming out uh, in the next couple weeks, and let's celebrate it. Yeah, celebrate him. Yeah, let's, let's celebrate all the talent in this movie. Which, when we get into it. There, everyone, uh, everyone in Hollywood is is in this movie, or at least everyone on yes. the from New York, <laughs> every New York based <laughs> actor is in this movie. It's yeah. insane. There's... It's the entire cast of The Sopranos minus James Gandolfini. Mm. Yes, everybody, everybody else, <laughs> even AJ's in it, <laughs> and he's like one year old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going back to what 1997. Yeah, right? so we're going back to the, dialing the way back machine to 1997. We were here. We were we were Starship Troopers. We yes, you are correct. <laughs> we have touched 97 before, and here we are again. Yeah, uh, back to the good old summer of 97. The one, the one you hate. You say summer of 97. I love that summer. You love it. I love that. You say all those, all those movies are all those action oh, movies yeah, terrible. Yeah, disagree. Yes. But uh, this this was one of those films. What gee, what time of year did this come out? I August fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Still part of the summer. I remember the ads for it, and I I remember uh, Sly having that nose injury and a bandage on it. I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, this looks different. <laughs> you never see him with cuts. He's, he's never hurt. <laughs> he's never. He doesn't get hurt. <laughs> he gets beaten up a little. But he he looked funny in a, a sheriff's uniform. Uh, this like, that's what drew you to it I was, was like, that he looked funny in a sheriff's uniform. Yeah, he's he's yelling. He's like, "Huh, that looks cool. <laughs> that looks funny and different." Sly in a sheriff's costume. <laughs> <laughs> so, when was the first time you actually saw the movie? Uh, actually, like eighteen months ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like I was always on the list, and it was sort of like 
it was time to see Copland. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. I was probably going through the list of things I wanted to see, and then what was available via certain streaming sites. And oh, Copland's available. I've always wanted to see that. Yeah, it's time because of everyone who was in it, not just Sly. And uh, yeah, that was the first time. It was just me alone in a room, as usual. Don't don't feel bad for me. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was surprised by it because I didn't even really know what to expect. I didn't know anything about it, but it is this this noir uh, tale yeah. that's uh, got a lot going on. But it, I really enjoyed a lot of what I saw from from the actors on screen. Yeah, uh, what I, about you? I saw it, the first time I saw it was well. I remember the the buzz in '97. There was a lot of hype and talk about this film. That and Flubber. And this and Flubber. <laughs> the, I remember hearing about the Venice Film Festival that it was, you know, doing, not doing really well, but it, it looked really good. It has this great cast, especially this cast. They're all at interesting parts of their career in 97. We'll get into that. But, you know, just hearing in 1997, De Niro, Keitel, Ray Liotta, oh yeah, and Stallone, mm-hmm. who was like, which one of these is not like the other, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I was definitely there. I, w- I was, you know, full on the Tarantino and Scorsese thing uh, back then. So super excited about seeing this. And it was actually the very first movie I saw when I went to college in Santa Fe. In the theater? Like, this in the is theater, your first yeah. theater movie in yeah. Santa Fe. And there were sure to be many, but Copland was it. Copland was Start. the very first one. It kicked it off. Saw it with my parents, I think, the first or second night I was in Santa Fe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go to the let's go to the movies. Yeah. And uh I think they tore that movie theater down about two months later. But oh. I digress. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, cool. and I loved it. I loved the, I really enjoyed the movie when it came out. I thought it was um mm-hmm. I thought at the time it was underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my perspectives changed a little bit over the years, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's still it's an amazing cast, and we're going to get into that uh, in a little bit. But before we do, mm-hmm. uh, how familiar are you with film noir in general? the The mm-hmm. broad term of film noir. Uh, I'm aware of it, but it's like pornography. I know it when I see it, but I don't really <laughs> know how to describe it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen some film noirs. Uh, what was the one I liked a lot? Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity is That's like, like the one classic, of the, it's right? like one of the top ones. That's the one you show to people when it's like, let's talk about film noir. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, there's Fred McMurray, right? Yeah. Fred McMurray, <laughs> Billy Wilder film. Yeah. Um, just one of the best, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, a, it was a, it was a term that was coined in 1946 by Nino Frank, but it didn't, it didn't actually get the term didn't get popular until almost the eighties. Oh really? Uh, but it was a whole genre of film, mostly in the thirties and forties, uh, dark subject matter, usually dark lighting. I mean, it, it literally means dark movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, they do a lot with light and shadows and, and, both visually and symbolically of what the characters are doing. They're usually kind of walking a fine line between good and evil and, and, you know, can, can they 
you know, can they stay on one side or the other? Hmm. Uh, but there's some some great ones that, again, we could do a whole show on just film noir stuff. But uh, it, it that was a, a genre of film that really uh, kind of died out by the 50s. So you'd get, you know, smatterings of them throughout. Mm-hmm. And then by the 70s, you've got kind of a newer version called now called neo-noir, mm-hmm. uh, which is like Clute and Point Blank and The Long Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Uh, really not much in the 80s. You've got City on Fire and Reservoir Dogs is sort of a neo-noir film. Okay. Uh, and then you've got, going to the late 90s, you've got Copland, The Limey, and a few others. But um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of, you know, wasn't a huge genre on its own like the original film noir was uh, and now you've got like a tech noir with like the Blade Runner you know the the new Blade Runner movie and mm-hmm. uh, films like that 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 are a more modernized version of it modern it's, or heightened heightened kind of yeah is it futuristic futuristic I guess yeah. is the word yeah yeah tech noir tech noir yeah. uh, is like that like club t- is that like tech war william shatner's sci-fi book series very very similar to <laughs> okay. tech war right, got it right. good recall <laughs> thank you <laughs> there's not a lot of talk about tech war tech anymore. war t-e-k by the way that's how you spell <laughs> that look it up why do i see shatner's face with a gun because he's Did he... i think well he wrote it i don't know if the characters one of them looks like him was it he's the lead in it though wasn't he tech war yeah i think he just wrote it no I think, he was, I think you put him on the cover because yeah. you need to sell. Yeah. You need Shatner <laughs> to sell it. That's why I thought he was in it. But that would be amazing if he like <laughs> created a character that's him. Like, yes. Okay. Uh, you might be right. Oh, wait. He, they did a series, too. Yeah. There was a show? <laughs> oh, my God. I remember God. He, he plugged it on uh, WWF Monday Night Raw in 96. <laughs> did he get pile-drived? No, he pi- hip-tossed Jerry the King Lawler. <laughs> I didn't realize Tech War was uh, they actually filmed it. It was on. It aired on USA, so companion piece to Raw. Yeah, got it. Anyway, Uh, anyway, Uh, yeah. So this was a uh, this was a hot script. Copland was a hot script in '96. Was it going all through LA? Everybody's reading it. Yeah, it was one of those you know very uh, very hot items that was going from agent to agent to agent, and Mm -hmm. and quickly got greenlit and. Uh, produced by Miramax, mm-hmm. and James Mangold was the writer, and now was going to direct the film mm-hmm. along with uh, Kathy Conrad, who was his producer. And eventually, during the course of this film, they fell in love, and a, and a marriage was born. Wow! Did Sly uh, do the ceremony? Sly, I'm sure he did. Sly yeah. probably married yeah. them, right? Sly plus the forty pounds for. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so there was uh, a lot of a lot of hype and uh, just about the screenplay. And once uh, Miramax signed on, it was absolutely going to get a list attention from people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miramax in ninety, you know, ninety five, ninety six was really, I mean, a very powerful independent production company mm-hmm. and distribution company. Yeah. <clears throat> After the success of Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction and. And a number of other films, it was really you know on a roll and would continue uh, for the next decade or so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until they sold out to Disney and then yeah and then uh, we all realized what kind of a monster was running that company. Oh, 
yeah, the uh, it was actually funny to like fire it up again t- for this show to watch it again and then see the Miramax logo come in. I'm like, oh, I remember that. Oh yeah, uh, darn. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> it's it's hard because it's it's so many amazing films, but it also comes with this huge cloud of not just negativity, just mm-hmm. I don't know, just horrible feeling of of whatever was going on behind the scenes uh, yeah. with Harvey Weinstein. Well, it also rem- reminds you that like that was a big open secret too of just the way. Uh, you know, even the, the way they did their Oscar campaigns, the aggressiveness of all these things, and then the open secrets of what goes on with when you take these meetings, and you know, everything just sort of gets a pass. Yeah. Uh, and we've reached a point where you don't get that pass anymore. Yeah. Thank God. So time's up. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Good. Finally. Yeah, and you know, we'll we're gonna we'll leave it at that. But yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't. Th- I he's don't think not. He's not worth the attention. No, let's not say his name anymore. <laughs> uh, but it is important to acknowledge it as well. Yeah, we can't. You can't just say this was this incredible movie. Yeah. produced by Miramax. It's it's hard. How do you, you, it's it's hard not to talk about it when you talk about Miramax. And through the '90s, there's so many important films that they produced. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's a. Uh, it puts a cloud over the Miramax uh, marathon I wanted to have, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, so we just, so from our perspective, we're just acknowledging that, uh, and I think putting a positive spin on the, or pu- putting our support behind, um, what has come to light yeah. and what has, and what has had to occur. Absolutely. And that's, that's all we'll say about that. Yeah. So back to Copland though. Copland, not Copeland. Not Copeland. Not that's a different. Copeland. Copland. Copeland. Two words. It's not. It is it's two words. It's Copland. For some reason, I always thought it was one. I did too. So my mind was blown when I found out it was two words. When I googled it again, and it was, it was like, "Do you mean Copland?" I'm like, "I guess I do." I dro- the cigarette dropped out of my mouth. <laughs> I crushed the pencil, you know, and, or broke it in half. Yeah. It, Everything changed. Your world changed. <laughs> the world erupted. Uh, Sylvester Stallone signs on, is the first one to sign on, and I remember there was a big cr- press conference uh, with uh, the director and Stallone and the producer, and it was like a big deal that he was doing this movie. Wow! And at first, it was a, it was a question of like, okay, so if he's doing it, what kind of movie is this actually going to be? Yeah, of course. What is this? Is this going to be Rambo? Is 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 it going to be Rambo? Really? Is it going to be Rambo? Is it? Is it going to be Judge Dredd? <laughs> yeah, and he's coming off. This is <laughs> this is a really kind of the beginning of a low. Not even the beginning. It's kind of like he's already turned downwards for his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stallone, who had such a great and important career in the late 70s and th- through the 80s. But by the time the early 90s roll around, it's he's been doing the same action movies time and again. Sometimes with a different spin on it, like, you know, Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Sure. Cliffhanger, over the top, very different places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there's really no depth to the characters. It's very surface level. Um, he's gotten a lot further away from what made Rocky so special. And even, even the first uh, Rambo film, First Blood, mm-hmm. so special. 
he's coming off of what uh, Judge Dread, Assassins, Daylight. Yep. I mean, that's Those what are the he, immediates. Yeah. Yeah, that's like what he's and what the specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, but and but I mean, and I just I think two years ago I I finally saw Oscar for the first time. Who? I gotta say. It's not. It's not great, but I really enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> Oscar, that's, that's the funny thing. Him about doing that a door slamming farce, yeah. like that's basically a play. Like, oh, it was great. <laughs> like, well, it was an attempt to do something different with his career because I think he acknowledged that things were getting stale and it was time to try something. That's so why he did that and stop or my mom will shoot. But yeah, they didn't. At the, especially at the time, they didn't work. I've heard Oscar is a little bit better with age. It must be. I don't know. I liked it. When yeah. I, so, I mean, it's different, certainly, from me seeing it for the first time now uh, in the modern age. I don't know. It's just, there's great people in it. It's 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 a little, it's just zany. Like, yeah. it's set up very much like a play. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd have to watch it a lot. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. You know, but hey, like, why not? I, I don't regret seeing Oscar. Yeah. But anyway, yes. <laughs> so, but then this, then, so Copland, so him doing... A hot buzzed about script produced by the hottest independent c- studio yeah. or whatever production company with a with a rising young director. Yeah, like so this this had to be. You, I guess you have to do that to you keep the momentum of that buzz going. Have that press conference. Get ex- get get the Hollywood excited about yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you know trying to give a new spark to his career again. Yeah, yeah, and and it's a you know it, it is a really. I think it is a really good screenplay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, in case anyone's forgotten what it's about, <clears throat> Copland is set in the fictional town of Garrison, New Jersey, which is right across the George Washington Bridge on the Jersey side, in a town where uh, police who work in New York City live in this small town, and it's basically completely corrupt, and they uh, have sep- have created this this world for themselves in this town on the surface it's peaceful and everything there's no crime no one's going to come into town where where everybody there is cops but they also are running insurance scams connected to the mafia running you know drugs and guns and you know a whole bunch of illegal activity uh, that they're all involved with Mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone plays Freddie Heflin who's the sheriff of the town and who has been during a rescue attempt in his teen years has been rendered deaf in one ear uh, and is, you know, really just he he's because of that injury. He can never join. He, he can never achieve his dream of joining the NYPD. Mm-hmm. So he's got to stay stuck in this town and is kind of forced to turn a blind eye to what might be going on out there for all these nice cops who are treating him so well. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, keeping the town going. Yeah. Well, he. Yeah, he's the sheriff of the town, so he's managing the 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 least law, uh, or the most safe neighborhood, less yeah. least crime infested neighborhood, right? Or sit, town in Jersey, right? So yeah. Pretty pretty choice job, and he just has to keep a blind eye to everything. Interesting. He lets it all pass <laughs> until he can't do and, it anymore. Until he doesn't. And then one day, then one summer. <laughs> <laughs> Something goes bad. Uh, so it's you know the character. It's an interesting character. It's not an action film. I mean, there's there's a couple of action sequences. I don't sure. even I call action sequences. It's I mean, just there's act. 
there's just if there's shooting, it's considered action. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's the definition. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. If there's gunplay. Uh, but yeah, this is the first kind of real personal character uh, that he's gonna have played since probably since First Blood. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anything after that that was you know real. Uh, deep personal role. I mean, Cobra was Co- well. Detective Marion Cobretti is a special <laughs> case all on his own. He's quite a character, personal favorite. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a, this is a big deal for him. Um, and if it's you know if it goes well, it was gonna the idea was that it would breathe new life into his career, and he could maybe turn a corner and start doing these kind of films and he's of course joined by an amazing cast uh, which you know are led by Robert De Niro Harvey Keitel and Ray Liotta Mm -hmm. all of which who are at the peak of their career or I I would say with Ray Liotta it's kind of like the end of the peak of his career although he'd keep going he's so Ray Liotta let's just talk about him for a second so sure Goodfellas is obviously his most important film. Yeah. After that, it was, I think it was a little aimless. Okay. It's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like when you, you do a movie like No Escape, which is like a big, you know, sci-fi action movie, prison oh. movie. Yeah. Um, which is not bad, but it didn't, it was not a hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's coming out with, what unforgettable and oh don't you dare forget turbulence oh turbulence i didn't even see that 1996 classic more or less actually well yeah yeah oh yeah turbulence can you survive the ride with what was lauren holly in that lauren holly yeah yeah. wow look at that and apparently there's a turbulence too oh with tom berenger (laughs) (laughs) turbulence too fear of flying i love (laughs) If you can't get Leota, you get Behringer. If <laughs> yeah. you can't get Behringer, you get Treat Williams. Exactly. That's how it goes. <laughs> that's how, that's a, there's a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is sort of a turn back to what was working for him with Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, he seemed to fit right in a mafia film, which yeah. this essentially is. I mean, they're not – the mafia is involved in this story, yeah. uh, but these cops all – Per, you know, treat themselves like like their group is the mafia. Yeah, they they can do they can do whatever they want with a uh, with impunity. They, yeah, they're, they're it's their town. Everyone's keeping all the secrets. They don't. They're not. You don't have to worry about any. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know they don't like the rats in the NIA Internal Affairs. Oh no. Oh no. Those guys. So. Um, they just like having their basic criminal activities uh, going unchecked, and they protect each other. And uh, yeah, and they, and they kind of they're tough guys about it. They're a whole bunch of tough guys, New Jersey tough guys. Well, that's what we love, Jersey mm-hmm. tough guys. That's my favorite. Uh, Harvey Keitel, who is the the heavy in this film, mm-hmm. very important figure in the independent film world of the nineties. I think that's kind of forgotten that he was how influential he was. I mean, just him alone helping Reservoir Dogs happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sex Lies and Videotape and Reservoir Dogs are two of the main, you know, starting points for the independent film movement of the 90s, which grew and expanded into the 2000s. But mm-hmm. 
Reservoir Dogs would not have happened without Harvey Keitel. Mm-hmm. What would this? What would cinema be without Quentin Tarantino? I don't know. I'm sure we would be less better off. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll give well, you think about no influ- No Reservoir Dogs means no Pulp Fiction. No Pulp Fiction. I mean, the whole landscape would have been different. Sure, of course. Yeah, it'd be a new era of of cinema somehow. Some other film would have ignited a a generation we would have seen a lot more far and aways i can tell you that much far and away is not bad <laughs> <laughs> that's all right yeah tom cruise with an irish accent oh give yeah. me more you're there I'm all day <laughs> uh but yeah he was uh, you know he continued past reservoir dogs and pulp fiction with smoke and blue in the face and mm-hmm. Uh, clockers and just you know some some really important roles and just lending his credibility to uh, you know up and coming filmmakers gave him a real chance and and uh, this was yet another one mm-hmm. and an opportunity for him to work with you know with with Robert De Niro again who he had worked with in Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and they went way back to sixties uh, and seventies New York together. Mm-hmm. Um, and another great role for him. Hmm. And we've got Robert De Niro, who is still, I think at this point, still kind of considered America, America's greatest actor. You mean today or at the point no, of this movie? No, in 97. Oh, yeah, still, sure. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was coming off just the recent films were Casino and Heat, which were back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fan. The Fan with Wesley Snipes? The, yeah. That's, That's a, a movie. Um, I don't. I've never seen it, but someone t- described it to me, and it, it was something like every time his character like attacked or did something to Wesley Snipes, some like he, like rock music song would pump, and it would be like "I'm gonna f you" uh, or something like crazy hardcore. And it was the supposedly to some to my friend, it was the funniest thing he'd, he'd ever. <laughs> it's a strange movie, and it, it's funny because my my uncle worked on the film, and. Uh. Uh, so I got all this swag, all this fan swag. Fan swag. I got like the soundtrack, and I got like a chair back and a hat, and yeah. what you know. Yeah. Um, and then I was so excited about it. I'm like, my uncle's working with Robert De Niro in yeah. 1995, and uh, then it came out, and it was it was a pretty for me it was a pretty big miss. Oh really? Yeah. It was it was a bummer, but I'm definitely gonna watch it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was Tony Scott, and it's Tony Scott like being as over the top as Tony Scott mm-hmm. would be. Mm-hmm. You know, like when it rains, it is torrential downpour, and there's scenes in a base, you know, the baseball stadium with him and Wesley Snipes, and and the 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 water is like knee deep <laughs> in the baseball field, like, and like they're still playing. You know, like <laughs> yeah. come on, it's just over the top yeah. of insanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in '96. The John who loved Independence Day uh-huh. couldn't couldn't uh, wrap my head around that. <laughs> so that one was a miss. But he also did uh, Sleepers, which was a, a really uh, interesting film, mm-hmm. and Marvin's Room. A uh, lot of good. You know, obviously he had done Bronx Tale before that, and mm-hmm. Cape Fear, and and his whole run through the seventies into the deep into the nineties was, I mean. A, Super strong. I yeah. mean, De Niro had some of the best roles for three decades. Yeah, I was going to say, th- like three decades worth of, of amazing roles. Yeah. 
So, you know, he's just been running a victory lap since, like, 2000. Yeah, he really has. Like, and just do, you know, do whatever you want, man. Well, and this is where, you know, he starts to transition a little bit to doing uh, smaller parts. Like, not not necessarily the lead, but part of a hmm. ensemble or really kind of juicy small small roles. Yeah. Um, you know, this, he's part of a part of a, a an ensemble lead cast and meet the parents of course you've got that's where he ventures into the world of comedy which he has almost stayed in too much sometimes he likes comedy yeah he's a funny like guy grandpa did anybody see was that? a dirty grandpa dirty grandpa yeah i know Ooh, yeah yikes that looks terrible yeah it's too bad i wish he were I get frustrated with uh, De Niro's choices like I do with Sam Jackson's. Mm-hmm. It's like, just say no to things sometimes. Uh, I saw The Intern with him and Anne Hathaway. Now, well, when I say I saw it, I came across it for free. Tell me he was on an airplane. <laughs> uh, actually, That's where you watch that movie. Actually, I had two friends visiting from out of town. They were <laughs> they're staying at my place. And... We didn't. We decided not to go out, and we're like, we happened to just like, let's just see what's on. What's going? My God, the intern. Hmm, I wonder what that. Like, we knew we were aware of this movie. It looked kind of weird. Like, you know, nothing really that interesting. And we were hooked. We watched the whole thing. <laughs> it was like two hours and twenty minutes too. It's like, oh my god. It's such a long. It felt like it was a wow. long ass movie. It's not that bad. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> it's funny because my kids know Robert De Niro as. Uncle Bobby. No, as oh. well, yeah, that's just in person. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they know him as Robert Mueller from SNL. Oh, okay. Like yeah, that's yeah. what they associate De Niro as, which just blows my mind. <laughs> really? Like I'm going to educate you guys <laughs> they'll on f- some of his films. They'll find out. <laughs> they'll they'll learn. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, but but he's um, you know so coming off some great films and and in the beginning of a transitional period, and he's got Jackie Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of Robert Forster earlier, Jackie Brown will follow this film up for De Niro. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, great roles in in uh, ensemble films. So cool. And then you've got an endless list of great, great, great character actors all the way through. And you know, ninety percent of the cast of The Sopranos makes yeah. some kind of appearance in this movie. Mm-hmm. You got Frank Vincent, Tony Sirico. Robert Patrick, Edie Falco, Arthur Nascarella, uh, Michael Rappaport, Michael Rappaport, um, Janine Garofalo, Janine Garofalo, Janine Garofalo. Where did she come from? It's I mean, I know where she came from, but wow, what, I uh, forgot the, she was in it. I just saw this movie, yeah, eighteen months, and I was like, oh yeah, Janine Garofalo's yeah, there. Yeah, like when she was like, I guess being a serious actress, like yeah. Well, I mean, what, it's not like she's not an actress. I think just, she had done right before this, the truth about cats and dogs. Right before this? Yeah, maybe a year before this. Is that true? Wow. Yeah. I think that was 96. But uh, She was in everything back in the in the 90s. She was all over Her the place. and Sandra Bernhard just showed up in everything. <laughs> and it's funny because they were in an episode of Sopranos together. No way. Playing themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> they were. They were literally everywhere. Yeah. I think that, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, she's kind of... I would say Janine Garofalo is kind of the odd duck in this movie. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the character isn't much, but no. to be honest, I mean, there's not much to do for her, but uh, it, it, pads, it pads out the movie. Like the, That's the thing. There's a lot of characters here. There's yeah. a lot of people to pay attention to. Not that they have, like, 
specific storylines to track, but it, it it's just there's a lot of bodies. There's uh, yeah, I mean, just a couple more actors, Kathy Moriarty, mm-hmm. uh, who's it's there's so many reunions in this too. Mm-hmm. It's like you got a Raging Bull reunion with mm-hmm. De Niro and Kathy Moriarty. You've mm-hmm. got De Niro and Keitel. Um, Peter Berg is in the film. Mm-hmm. We've got who? Uh, uh, Blondie is in the film. Deborah, Deborah Harry. Debbie Harry. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, did you say John Spencer? John Jeff Spencer. Spencer I did not. Yeah. R.I.P. John Spencer. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, there. Who? Oh my God. There's so many people. It just. It just goes on and on. Malik Yoba. Malik Yoba. How well, could you forget Malik Yoba? Oh, I like him. <laughs> From he Undercover. Plays, uh, is that right? Yeah. New York Undercover. New York right. Undercover. Yeah, he's good stuff. He's great. Um, who plays De Niro's uh, partner? Yeah, De, yeah, Robert De Niro's. Uh, Robert De Niro is an internal affairs investigator who's kind of on to what Harvey Keitel's character Ray Donlin and his crew are up to, mm-hmm. and he comes to the town to try to get Freddie Heflin to start feeding him information and getting him real evidence so he can actually prosecute mm-hmm. uh, or get, you know, build a case against uh, Donlin and his crew. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Noah Emmerich, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, Freddie Heflin's partner. Mm-hmm. You've got Method Man showing up. Method Man. I mean, yeah. Method Man. Fantastic. With uh, the, So it's, it's all over the place and just great, great cast. But I will say, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I loved it when it came out, but I did always feel like there was too much story. And watching it again recently, I felt the same way. Hmm. There's, it's, it's full. I mean, there's, uh, there's almost too much going on mm-hmm. and too many characters. Yeah. Because a lot of them are not... I mean, I, you know, they're somewhat necessary, but you could probably trim out a handful of these roles. And it's just, you don't need it or or i guess maybe spend just a little less time with certain things I, but like all the threads to connect everybody and the sides everyone is on everyone is on yeah you kind you kind of have to do that work to establish it yeah uh, I, I think i guess that's true i mean i always felt like cat you know i love kathy moriarty uh-huh. great and raging bull the neighbors um mm-hmm. or not the neighbors Neighbors. Neighbors, yeah, uh, and 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 Soap Dish and mm-hmm. great actress, and Peter Berg obviously went on to have a huge career as a director. Yeah, uh, Ballers. Did he direct Ballers? No, he appeared in Ballers. Oh yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I think maybe did he direct some Ballers? Yeah, he might have. I feel like that's why he was in it, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. I see him more of an as an entourage director. Ooh, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like their storyline, uh, Kathy Moriarty was is married in the in the film is married to Harvey, Harvey Keitel's character, mm-hmm. and there is a an affair that's happened between Peter Berg and and her, and that it's basic. It's just just touched on, like, yeah, just enough. And then isn't it? And it's Frank who, or not? Excuse me. And it's is it? Wait, who blows the lid on that? How does it get out? No, never mind. Shit. Freddy. Doesn't Freddy tell Liz and blow the whole thing up? Yeah, yeah. 
right? Well, it has to do with the trash getting dumped, and he figures it out. Like, he, yeah, he, has to, he goes through these steps to figure it out, and then Kathy Moriarty's very blatant. Like, they like everyone just does sinful things in this town and yeah. just talks about it openly, and he just is like kind well, of ignores everything. <laughs> yeah, like, and then so I guess there's repercussions for that. Uh, for for a whole for a marriage, two marriages, yeah, a whole life, and uh, but there's all that connection because you know Peter Berg is married to the woman that Freddie s- saved, who he He's played by Anna, Annabella Ciora, who's yeah, another amazing actress and amazing in The Sopranos, yeah. Um, uh, but so like there, so they have a connect. There's like a almost a love triangle thing yeah. with a history, and it's like Ray, Ray Liotta's character with Harvey Keitel. They have a history because of. Ray Liotta's dead partner who was gonna spill the beans on things yeah like, I, I think and there's like this just so there's all this history yeah that and that was hard people. to keep up with yeah I, I think that was a, that whatever happened with Ray Liotta's character's partner yeah and Ray Donlin was it's a little tricky to keep up I mean you can you can do it but it's it's a lot of it's a little more work to be like what what does that guy have to do with anything yeah 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 there is like there's like explanations of why people are connected, and, and it's just just some exposition for like. By the way, here's what you need to know. Well, and then and, it's done by those news reports. Yeah, you know, the, there's a couple of moments of these these news reports going over. Yeah, and that is actually really important because that's a quick summary of what you need to know, like mm-hmm. why the, why this is important. Yeah. So it's like there's so much backstory to everything, which, you know, of course, it makes sense to establish these relationships. And then there's, you know, the big inciting incident with Michael Rappaport's character that kicks everything off in terms of, you know, prob- the, probably the ultimate crime to, that you can't just sweep under the rug. Right. At that, that battle lines are drawn from this act. Uh, but there's, again, there, yeah, you got to you sort of get everyone weighing in on it. Like, you know. Freddie only has Noah Emmerich and Janine Garofalo to like back him up. I mean, they're just sort of like in the background for most of it. They're not like, well, they're, they're yeah, not, they're like know. local cops who are, you know, potentially going to start investigating big time NYPD cop detectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that a, is that a can of worms you really want to open? Yeah. Is that a Pandora's box you want to open? I don't know. And then Ray Liotta's character decides he's gonna just do an insurance fraud thing and get and get out of town. I guess and accidentally murders his girlfriend. Yeah. And then there's that whole thing. And then Michael Rapport's on the run, and then they're gonna kill him because you got to produce a body. And then he's on the run. Yeah. And then and then all this time, Freddie's just sort of like kind of like shrugging his shoulders throughout. It's kind of funny. I, I think the only thing that his character lacks... I really like Sly in this, by the way. Like, yeah. He's so he's understated. Great. He's, he's so understated, but still has his... Like, I don't know, whatever his his it, his charm is. Like, I'm, I'm still invested in whatever he's dealing with. He's not, like... He's not just playing this sort of, like, guy, but uh, who's, you know, where you don't really know what he's all about. But, um... I feel like something that was lacking is like he he just seems so very neutral for so long and it's not like he turned and then become he's just like well I need to pursue justice now but he's just so like understated the whole time you don't even know what he's doing there half the time well he's very dormant yeah you know very dormant and neutral and stagnant like 
almost 80% of the movie. Yeah. But when he forces himself to, like, have these confrontations of, like, hey, come on, like, what's... You almost, like, is he just... Why is he even doing that? It's almost like you... Like, why is he trying to be a good cop? Like, I don't see the struggle for him to be the better cop and, like, well, I... I but I still have to keep ignoring this stuff. Like there doesn't seem to be that internal conflict for him. So that's probably the one thing I'd say is like that is either lacking in the script or his performance where uh, he, he, that internal conflict I think is necessary. Yeah. It isn't quite there. Or it might've been something that was kind of lessened in whatever yeah. co- edits they did. Yeah. But it seemed like it was Ray Liotta's character that sort of drives him to making certain decisions. Well, yeah, I think it's Leota's character and and De Niro's character as well. Yeah, um, you know, De Niro's kind of on to them, and <laughs> you know, Freddie Heflin is watching like all this stuff happen, and you know, they're they're doing small, you know, breaking the law, uh, small things like speeding and getting away with it, and yeah. him just like he'll pull him over, say hello, let him go. Yeah, um, when Janine Garofalo tries to intervene and and try to actually like give them a ticket he just kind of shuts her down and Mm -hmm. and that's that Mm -hmm. um you know and and he even sees michael rapaport's character superboy who's hiding in the back seat and he knows that this guy is they've just faked this guy's murder and he now he knows it Mm -hmm. he just has to keep ignoring it Mm -hmm. and it is it's a slow burn for him to you know, come around to actually like doing something about it. And yeah, De Niro's trying to motivate him, like to talk to him and to get him, get him to do something about it. Mm-hmm. De Niro has a great, the great monologue for him. Like when he, the, to try to convince him, it was great. I yeah. really love that. I mean, um, just in terms of just what doing the right thing as a law enforcement person uh, to, you know, get justice. Uh, I don't know. It was really great. There, there, there are these like interesting like monologues throughout the movie of people's perspective or whatever they're, whatever they're being emotional about. It's kind of neat. You know what? I, I'd be. This may sound funny, but you think this would make a good play? Not with all these characters, but. But I think, but there are so sure. many scenes of just you know one-on-one and intense kind of yeah monologues. That's true. That yeah. I think you, there's a there's a world where you could transition this into a. Play Maybe. to some degree. We set it to some Billy Joel music. Oh yeah. Well, you and already got Springsteen in there. So, yeah, that's you know. right. Uh, yeah, let's adapt it for the stage. <laughs> for the stage. Copland the musical. Screen to stage. A screen to stage. Everyone knows that. Well, that's transition. That, that's hey, talk to the Lion King. Oh, look out! <laughs> back to from stage. Wait, screen to stage. Back to the screen. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, going back to Stallone's Freddie Heflin, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between... You and Freddie? I didn't want to say it. You both look great in uniform. (laughs) I wear a sheriff's uniform and carry a shotgun (laughs) all all the time. And your nose is constantly broken. It's broken. That's from you. (laughs) No, what are some What did you say about Last Jedi? Boom. (laughs) You will like Rose Tico. <laughs> Wham. Uh, you were saying, I'm sorry. But yeah, there's there's similarities between Rocky and, and Freddie Heflin. Sure. Um, and it's that, that kind of role that lovable loser, the, the you know, the character who doesn't really fit fit in, the 
underestimated underdog. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what Stallone has excelled at. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what started his career, and this is kind of going back to that well again, mm-hmm. which is fine. And he's he's really like perfect casting for it. Mm-hmm. He's so understated. Um, he's not. There's no like one-liners. I mean, he gained all that weight. Yeah, which is apparently pure pancakes. Oh, really? Yeah, he just ate pancakes. He apparently like a, a restaurant right in Jersey where they were filming. Mm-hmm. He would go there and just like load it up on a steady pancake diet, which is the De Niro Raging Bull diet as well. Oh, really? Pancakes, pancakes and ice cream. Yeah, that's a lot of sugar. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he looks—he's physically transformed, and mm-hmm. he's even got a really nice, subtle thing that he did that that a lot of actors will do. If you watch, he walks differently. Yeah, there's a there's a way that he that Freddie Heflin walks that's not like how Sylvester Stallone walks or or any of his other characters did, and that's that's a real you know gift of an actor that they can mm-hmm. do something very subtle like that but that's a that's a, actually a big thing to take your mind away from that actor and into that character yeah yeah cuz he's embodying it and i mean for him as a performer you know he's finding his character within his costume in his shoes walking like him talking like him yeah there's no like, yelling he doesn't do the stallone yelling it's no. like very quiet and subdued yeah, but not like he, and I, I, and not like pretending. It's not like oh, that's Stallone, like kind of pretending, not acting, pretending. Yeah, and uh, no, he's acting this, the hell out of this. Uh, yeah, the only Stallone yells like when he, he goes deaf in the other ear, and he's just he's well, that's in agony. And I'm like, oh right, there's the like it yeah. was like you didn't hear him in pain, like yelling that, yeah. that Stallone thing that he 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 can shout. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it it was a, a moment. I'm like, oh yeah, that's there's all those other characters I'm I'm aware of. Yeah, um, because he's so like just under the radar the yeah. whole time. He's so good. He's you know, and there's a lot of subtle moments too. I really like the scene between him and Annabella Ciora, mm-hmm. where you know she's had a fight. She's married to Peter Berg. Their relationship is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Heflin is very. I mean, he's in love with her. He he saved her life. Mm-hmm. He's jealous of of Peter Berg's character and the life he has because he feels like that should have been his. Mm-hmm. And he missed, you know, that the, the was the greatest thing he ever did was save her life. And he's never, it was downhill ever since then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that moment where, she, the scene where she comes to him and they have you know a really tender moment together. I thought was really well done. I I bought it. I didn't see. I really don't see him as Stallone in this. Mm-hmm. I see him as this character, mm-hmm. which is I guess the goal of every actor. Yeah. So you you buy their relationship and you buy their characters, right? Yeah. Who they are. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. And I wasn't really a big Annabella Ciora fan either up until this point. Oh, no? I mean, I hadn't seen much that she was in. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle was the big one. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I really liked her in this. And then, again, The Sopranos a few years later and just amazing. Gloria Trillo, amazing character. Mm. And the the kind of sad thing is that feels like so much work went into this character. And he put so much of himself into this role mm-hmm. 
with the idea of it, you know, building a new new portion of his career. And unfortunately, it really it really didn't happen. I mean, he he actually talks about this movie like this was the beginning of the end for eight years for him. Really? I mean, if you look, he says that. So he's you know on this absolutely you know creative downturn Mm -hmm. starting in the early 90s really Mm -hmm. um and then you know this was like a blip of hope and then it just didn't you know didn't do that well and he was stuck in going back to these action movies and then they were even worse Mm. until what i think the expendables when he like sort of re-embraced it Got, and had a new spin on the action side of it. And, yeah. Or I guess it was really Rocky Balboa, which I was a film I really, really like. I still have to see that. That uh, it was Rocky Balboa and then Rambo and then The Expendables. And, and that kind of brought him back to, um, you know, a higher level on his career again, finally. But, but he never had that real creative... Um, he didn't, didn't really do anything different. I mean, he went back to the back to the well again right 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 well yeah he does what works what's yeah. worked what's... and he's still doing it it's still came, just came out with another rambo movie and he did creed and creed 2 and isn't it crazy rocky balboa was 13 years ago and, and rambo was 11 years ago yeah my god holy crap <laughs> it just seems like they I, they seem like they were just yesterday yeah he's like re, the the newer sequels came out like what how time is flying by my yeah. friend <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen any of the Expendables? Did you see that? I saw the first one. Not bad, right? It was okay. It's had yeah. that meta-ness There was a couple it, but... things I was like hoping for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do want to see two and three. Me too. Uh, just, you know, I think we should maybe have a marathon one night. Expendables. We'll go Expendathon. 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 Hey, we could do it. I'm yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, it was great to just get those actors together in yeah, a movie. And it's insane how many people are in those. Just movies. the scene with him and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis oh, right, yeah, in yeah. a room together. Like that's just cool. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just to see it. Uh but anyway, yeah, so he you know, he went back to doing a movie called Eye for an Eye and uh Angelo's uh, Aven- Avenging Angelo. Avenging Angelo. I yeah. which like I, I remember seeing those in the video store Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, he's doing like straight to video movies now. Yeah, it they're... was not good for for another almost ten years for Stallone. Hmm. Um, he was an ant, though. A year later, we would get to hear him say, "You the ant," <laughs> classic. <laughs> that came out in ninety eight. <laughs> ants, the uh, the sea level bugs life. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew there was going to be two bug movies in the same year? In the same month, I think. Same month, yeah, yeah. About ants, more or less. And was it, what was it? Kevin Spacey is one villain and Gene Hackman is the the other? I think that's right. Something like that. (laughs) So, you know, this didn't get the Oscar attention and the awards attention and the career path, but it did give him another life and some street cred. You need Which cred. I think he needed after after some of those other movies. You, you have to refresh people's memories, you know? Like, yeah. So it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy. This guy knows how yeah, to Yeah, I can act. I'm an actor. <laughs> if I want to. <laughs> um, this movie, so what do, you, what do you think? Does Do you think it works? 
even with the flaws of the over I don't want to say over overfilled storyline. Mm. How do you think the movie works as a whole? I think as a whole it does work. I think it's a little bloated. Um but I wouldn't say anything you're watching is like boring or no. u- not useful. But it sure can use a trim. But I think, I don't know, I think that with the power of what Sly brings to it and every single person in the film, they're all a joy to watch. And so you can, you just, you allow them to just take you through like, yeah, we know this, like all this backstory and this, all this stuff is a little complicated, but just come with us. We're going to get you there. And it's sort of, you can sort of trust it. I think, I think Copland's always worth a, a look. Well, it's, it's saved by the cast, you know, any, yeah. any. Uh, I think bloated is a good word for it. Just just a little too much happening in it. Yeah, yeah. You have to work a little harder to follow, you know, what, what's all the ins and outs of it. Mm-hmm. But the performances are so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Robert Patrick, who's got a smaller role, but as one of, you know, one of Keitel's guys. But his intensity, like, absolutely you buy him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was such a departure for, I, I think there was a fear of him being stereotyped after Terminator 2, very easily being that action villain, you know, type character that this was a good, much more of a, you know, different different kind of role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed Robert Patrick in this uh, a lot. And I, because he, he, he kind of plays this kind of guy now, I think, right? Like a lot of it is. All these, all these guys play these guys. Right? They're all perfectly cast because they're so good at it. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. They are they're really good. Yeah. Uh, so when you put them all together, you, and you you just got this like stew of all these guys, yeah, all these people, <clears throat> and uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'd say I say it works. I don't think this is a miss. I think this is. It it's it has its flaws for sure. But. Especially if you're a fan of any of those actors, absolutely, it's worth worth seeing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas, you should watch this. Sure. If you like Stallone as Rocky, you should watch this. Mm-hmm. If you like De Niro in anything, yeah, <laughs> definitely see this. Yeah. I mean, did you have a favorite? Wait, before we get there, you know, and just. They each have scenes together. You know, De Niro and Stallone, great scene together. Mm-hmm. Stallone and Keitel have a good scene. I think, I want to say two scenes together, mm-hmm. but at least one. Uh, Leota and Keitel, like them yeah. really intensely going after each other. Mm-hmm. Great. It's great stuff just to like sit back and, and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a favorite uh, scene that stuck out that you particularly enjoyed um probably when early on in the movie where Ray Liotta goes off on Kaitel yeah in the the restaurant yeah and it's just it basically establishes where these where these guys see each other now and um that was great I really I that's the one you know and and Ray Liotta gives a lot of gives some exposition under, understanding why these guys hate each other. Yeah, there's or, a lot of exposition like, in his yeah. dialogue. Um, and it's just touching on something we didn't know anything about. It's not even that deep. Um, but it, and 
and, you know, and then it, it's a nice little misdirect to like the burning of his house, which happens immediately after that. So yeah. as though it was like retribution or something. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That, yeah, that's probably it. Like, I guess the one that stands out for me. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think either of the scenes with De Niro and Stallone. Mm-hmm. Anything they're in? Yeah, like where or he together. first. Yeah, together. Okay, together. Gotcha. Uh, where De Niro first comes to his office, just yeah. just the way he kind of puts Stallone down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, listen, you're small time, yeah. and you 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 don't know what you're in the middle of. Yeah, and you need to start talking to me. Mm-hmm. Just great. I, I'm big fan of De Niro. We talked about him in Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. That I I oh, I always thought De Niro was super cool. Uh, and that you know, I, I loved his roles through all through the '80s and '90s. So this one counts for one of those. This is one of those roles it's from the '90s. Yeah, and he's got a great looking mustache, doesn't he? Best mustache in the movie. I, he would win the best mustache award. Yeah, Robert Patrick would be a close second. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like his. Best. You don't like Robert uh, Patrick's mustache? No, nah, not a fan. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm shocked. Sorry. Shocked to hear this. Sorry, guys. Munchak says no to that mustache. You know, we talked about this not being an action movie, but there being, te- quote-unquote, an action scene. Do you feel like the shootout at the end was over the top, or did it work for you? What do you What do you think? Uh, it's it, it works. It's a little visceral, you know? Like, it's just, it's a matter of fact, it's not shot in any kind of stylized way to... It's just kind of violent and and um it's almost from his point of view, yeah, more or less you track him uh and they go down they, and they don't make it look like glorious or anything like that. I mean Ray Liotta comes out of nowhere and saves his life twice um well, but I think that's again it's because it's kind of from his point of view and he's got now he right. has no hearing that's true you never so knew. all he would he wouldn't have heard Ray Liotta like driving up yeah yeah of course who you know suspected what was happening and yeah that, that's the thing we lose all the sound it's totally from his perspective you're right um a silent shootout so yeah yeah how bold is that right so yeah. you're just you just view it and um uh, yeah i think it works it's cool it everything comes to a head now it's like all bets are off everyone's going to start shooting and he he commits to like he takes a side he finally picks a side so whether that's going to take him out or not he's going for it yeah so pretty bold and you kind of wonder what happens after the movie ends to to freddy i mean they, they kind of mention it over the one of the news reports, like right before the end credits, but well, he, you know that he he ends up obviously like. What's the point of building a case against? I, I guess the the case that De Niro is trying to build involves other people within the police department, not just these cops. Yeah, but these cops are now all out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, at least the heavy players in it. But, yeah, uh, but where he yeah, has Garrison the town as you know the. The, the way the mob can get away with so much. Uh, yeah, it's now altered now that all these guys are dead. Yeah. That, <laughs> so what know, happens to it? In does... Copland, too, people would just be coming after <laughs> after Freddy. Like, like I, I don't see how everything goes back to normal. But they do give you that one scene where it's just like, Noah Emmerich comes up and is just like, hey, there's a wreck. Let's go. And they just get in their cars. And like, 
I get, and he looks he looks at New York one last time, and it's like he knows where he belongs is is here. Yeah, in Jersey. So yeah, uh, it's like it, it it wraps it up nicely, which were it's just fine. Like you don't if you think about it, it's like things would really go crazy for him. Like yeah, I mean it could get nuts in Garrison, and yeah. could he handle that? Yeah. So but, and they they kind of quick mention that he does get his hearing back. Yeah. 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 Everyone on both sides wanted him to not get to recover. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I, you kind of have to just wrap it up neatly. Like it's, it's obviously a lot going on in the background and I don't know. You can't, you can't hang, you can't have a cliffhanger about it or. Did you say cliffhanger? Uh, I said Oscar. Um, This movie won no Oscars. It Sly won Best Actor in the Stockholm Film Festival, though. He did. So give him that. Yeah, kudos to him. Good I job. Mean, was he nominated for an Oscar for this? Nothing. He no, didn't get. There was no Oscar noms for this one. Yeah. I mean, I guess that, that's a tough year. That's a uh, that's the year of Titanic and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, so forget it. I think this movie kind of got lost in the shuffle there after yeah. after uh, its first you know its first release. It came out August fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Should we talk a little box office while we're, we're sitting here? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, budget was fifteen million. It had a thirteen point five opening. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. It's did right. open at number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat Event Horizon. They opened oh. up together, and I think I cho- I cho- I did cho- chose to uh, see Event Horizon first. You got Larry Fishburne and Sam Neill uh, in space. In space, yes, please. Yeah, space <laughs> horror movie or Fat Sly in a sheriff's uniform. No, <laughs> that thanks. would get weight of you. <laughs> I'll catch that next week. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it did top. Uh, it knocked Air Force One, your favorite movie, right out of the top slot at the box office. Favorite of 1997. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, and beat Conspiracy Theory as well. Overall, though, it did a 44.8 million dollar domestic gross. Not a bad independent. No, gross. not a bad. You know, it, it. I would say you know the budget was 15. They probably spent an, almost that in ads, so it made. That's you a, know, it a made, modest profit, but yeah, not not, not ideal. Not for not this, with that star star power, right? Right. You would you would expect a lot more. Luckily, all the actors. Uh, the, the rumor has it all the actors worked for scale. Did they really? So, you know, they didn't spend a lot. Okay. On it, that's how they could get away with fifteen yeah. million dollar budget. I guess it'd be a lot blo- a lot more bloated if they they had their ass. Oh yeah, price. I mean, if they got their normal rate, you'd have this would be fifty million. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Uh, uh, but it ends up out of uh, the whole ranking of '97. It's number 45, so way down there. Well, that's not too bad. I have that as 48. Hmm. Well, I've got it right, but sitting right between Bean the mm-hmm. movie and Nothing to Lose. Same. So, so I don't know. Yeah, but uh, but you know, only only 16 movies made over 100 million that year. Right to be ranked forty fourth or forty eighth or whatever for the year, not too bad. It's a different time. It wasn't all about the blockbusters yet. That was starting. It was definitely like we starting. talked about with Independence Day. That was uh, that kind of kick. The summer of ninety six really kick started that mm-hmm. you know race to hundred million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was you know there was not everything was about that. 
You're right. That kind of money. Not the the oodles of money. No. That would that would be coming. But you know, I'm gonna dig back real deep right now. Okay. There's one. There's a lot of actors in this movie, right? Okay. They're all great, great yeah. character actors. Uh, familiar, a lot of familiar faces. Mm-hmm. There's one person who has not did not show up in this movie. I don't know if maybe their scenes were deleted or or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go. Let's let's go back to our Kurt Russell Kurt corner. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Let's go to the corner. <laughs> We haven't been in the corner. I just had it dusted off and cleaned. All right. I spoke to Kurt. He was, uh, we were going through some uh, contract negotiations, uh, and he's, he's, we're good now. So, okay. Uh, so he's, he's good with it again. We're, we're allowed to do this we're, again. We're allowed to, legally allowed to do <laughs> Kurt's Corner. Okay. Uh, when we first started the show, we talked often about how much we love Kurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big part of, the, uh, of our youth and growing up, very important in special movies, mm-hmm. and we want to embrace him every episode. Didn't, we didn't always do that, but once in a while, we're going to throw it out here. Well, let's go back, yeah. A little spin, and, and I'll, I'm going to ask you some of the questions. You're asking me the questions, okay. If Kurt Russell were in this movie, mm. what char- who would you cast him as? Who would I cast him as? He probably... He would... Mm so late in the 90s we're talking post stargate yeah no i'd want to see him as figgins to be honest with you i'd want him to be the the guy who finally you know makes the good decision yeah and see him together again with sly forget about it. oh my god like they're bunking in the same apartment i think the film would have exploded it just would have stopped (laughs) in the second reel Uh first reel for sure yeah no it'd be because he's definitely not in this film, but yeah, but, and and not to take away from Ray Liotta, yeah, but dream casting, yeah, Kurt would be Vegas yeah. if he, if he wouldn't play Freddy himself. I don't I don't know how I don't know maybe it'd be interesting I to see could, him as Freddy. I could maybe see him playing Freddy. Yeah, he's he's an actor. He can act. Yeah, I think he yeah he'd have to he'd have to really act, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think he could do it. I think he'd be fine at it. I yeah. could also see him as Ray. Yeah, as Ray Dahmer. I could see that being yeah being the guy. I'd be interested to see him at this point in his career play, you know, the villain, the heavy. Uh, yeah, for sure. In '97, because in 2017 we saw him as a villain. We sure did, and it was explosive. It was was a delight. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, no, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. One other question. Mm Mm-hmm. Who didn't Kurt Russell work with in this movie? Feels <laughs> like he's connected to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can't make me do this this part. I can't do that. <laughs> so. I know, that's my game. <laughs> uh, I asked you that. No, but he's so, like, you know, he's worked with De Niro. He's worked with uh, Stallone. Worked with Stallone twice. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. a third time coming up. Oh, if what I hear is true. You're hearing rumors? I'm hearing, yeah. Tango and Cash You're going to have to call my 900 number to get the full <laughs> scoop. 1-900-909-9900. Two Tango, two Cash? I can't say. You got to call. It's only thirty nine ninety nine the first minute. 399 for each additional minute. 
Get uh-huh. your parents' permission. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, that, you know that that'll that'll wrap up our curse corner for this week. Oh wait, Ooh. you forgot the other question that's useless but fun. Who's since Kurt's not in this movie, who's got the best hair in this movie? Right off the bat, I want to say Robert Patrick. Mm, okay. He's yeah. got kind of a poofy thing going on. A little poof. Yeah. Ray Liotta sort of has a lot of that going on too. <laughs> Can you picture, picture Kurt, like overboard Kurt, <laughs> in, Kurt in this movie? In a just, sheriff's just uniform. Just as one of the like cops. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> Pan across like all, you know, Italian, tough guy looking guys. Yeah. And then... You end on Kurt with the <laughs> giant boom. mane. Yeah, with that lion's mane. Yeah, it'd be a beautiful thing. <laughs> Maybe we can digitally restore it and put him in it. <laughs> just put him in the background. The diner cut. Yeah, just it puts Kurt Russell in <laughs> We have the resources here at Recon Cinema Studios. Yeah, we may as well start using them. We have the technology. <laughs> we can we can rebuild our favorite movies with <laughs> Kurt. Oh my god! Mm. But uh, yeah, legacy of Copland. What do we think? Does it stand the test of time? Does it? Uh, what do you? How do you feel its reputation holds up now? Uh, I don't know if it's shifted at all, right? And I don't think it. It is. I don't think it seems. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's timeless, but I wouldn't say it's just of the era either. I'd say no. I think it's this, the, this story's got a a little more of a universal appeal of justice in in small communities, things of that nature. I think it works. I don't know if it's very influential, but it's. It, I'm, I mean, I'm sure maybe, um, but I don't know. Uh, I I think it's. I think it's good. I think it's. Fi- it's. It's fine. Like it's. No, <laughs> it's I, fine. It's fine. The patented. Munchak review. <laughs> I think it's I think it's worth a look if you haven't seen it and you want to see Sly do something different, or if you like like you said, all these actors and all this stuff. Definitely worth a look. Um, you know, yeah, it's 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 there. It's there for you anytime. Get there. Yeah. Go to Copland. <laughs> Go to Videotech or your local video store. Mm-hmm. You know, brick and mortar video store. Yeah. You can get all the hits from '97. Yeah. Take a ride on. Air Force One. Yeah, go f- find out who is Scream Twoing. Scream Two is that? Uh, tech War. You can take a ride on Con Air. Con Air, exactly. Right, and then you can see who took his face off, or get lost in the <laughs> Lost World, <laughs> and you can see how as good as it gets. <laughs> how good is Will Hunting? <laughs> <laughs> that's that that's cut it shut it down <laughs> we it. did it you did it that's it <laughs> uh yeah well i think uh, i think copland i do think it holds up i think there will be people who will have problems with mm-hmm. an over complicated story and then un- potentially unnecessarily complicated story mm-hmm. um maybe a little too much to keep up with mm-hmm. uh especially you know, I think for the attention span that people have now, this might be a little tough. Okay, yeah. But, again, the performances carry it past mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. Um, worth watching just for, you know, if you want to take a good look at any of these guys' career, this is one you should watch. Do it. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, for, for Stallone, I think this is, this is number three. 
yeah. on a creative character level. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to say Rocky? Rocky, First Blood, Copland. Wow, shit. Top three. Well, then. Now, there's different talking, you know, acting performances. Pure Enjoyment, Tango and Cash, number one. Sure, of course. Cobra, number 1.5. <laughs> and then everything else. And then, and then I'll just take the rest. <laughs> and then Demolition Man, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're just going to watch those two on repeat, so... <laughs> Your marathons, your slice alone marathons are just those two movies. It is. Three yeah. times each. Yeah. <laughs> Pure enjoyment. Um, De Niro, though, good, you know, good performance. He's got so many that I, I it's hard to say where I would rank this for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has so many. I, I would say maybe top 15. Top 15. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I agree. And the Kaitel, gen- Kaitel would be, you know, top 10 Kaitel. Top 10 Kaitel. Yeah. Where are you on Michael Rappaport? Top. Ooh. Rappaport. <laughs> Rappaport. <laughs> uh, top 10? I'm not a big Rappaport fan. Well. No offense to him. Well. He doesn't, uh, he didn't, he's never drawn me into a movie. Okay. Yeah. Did you watch his TV series that he had on Fox when he played a no. a beleaguered father of of teen girls? Oh my god! And he would monologue to the audience about yeah yeah I, I'm fine with uh, people dating, but uh, not my daughter because uh, and I don't believe in murder unless they're da- unless they're dating my daughter. And it was always like neurotic, uh, yeah. weird. It was terrible. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> he watched all twenty three seasons. Of it. Yeah, and I and I. Wrote three of my own. <laughs> After you're still waiting for her to do those do those episodes. Uh-huh. Three seasons uh, worth of scripts. Anyway, yeah. Um, what about anyone else? Top performances. Um, and Peter Berg's nah. pretty good in it. Sure. I think one of his last real like acting roles. And mm-hmm. so he went on to direct very bad things. And I guess these two movies are connected because mm. he plays Officer Randone in Copland. There's also an officer Randone in Very Bad Things. Wow! So, apparently, wow. supposedly they are the same. They are meant to be the same character. So that's insane. How do you connect those worlds? That's wow! It's the whole Copland universe. Yeah, the Copland. That's just the, the Copland. CU. The C. Yeah, uh, Robert Patrick. The CLU. This is one of his probably best. Robert Patrick film for film. Yeah, that's up there. Right. I mean, he's a he's all over the place. Yeah, he's done a lot. But yeah, he's done a lot. Um, this would be up there. Yeah, and Leota top three, Ray Leota top three. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, hey, I love it. Yeah, uh, and then James Mangold. I, I, this is probably my favorite film that he's he's done as well. Have you seen Logan? Uh, I did see Logan. No, I haven't seen Logan. You haven't did seen he Logan? Do Logan. He did Logan. Yeah, uh-huh. didn't he do the Wolverine also? He did do the Wolverine. You're right. Yeah. No, everybody loves Logan, and I have it, but I have not seen it yet. So good. And then it's his violent. newest is just coming out, Ford versus Ferrari. Ford, so, Ford v. Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. that's. I do want to... Did that come out? Uh, well, I mean, oh, it's, it's coming out. probably limited release now, but... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at that. With Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Not Kristen Bell. Christian Bale. Yes. <laughs> Would have been a different movie, though. Different movie if it was Kristen Bell. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, so I mean, uh, it was the beginning of James Mangold's career. Done a lot of successful films after that. Mm-hmm. Um, Identity, I like that with Cusack. Identity's okay. It's a you know a weird little thriller. Yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like I didn't see that curve coming, but <laughs> won't spoil it. But uh-huh. uh, you know, if you want it spoiled, call my nine hundred number. You're, you're all your spoilers. <laughs> at <a> touch, just <laughs> give out movie spoilers. Just call on your touch tone phone. Yeah. <laughs> Because rotary phones, I will not take that call. I'll know if it's coming from one. I didn't realize James Mangold also did Kate and Leopold. So he has yes. directed Hugh Jackman many times. Many times. That's crazy. Yeah. How about that? That's at least three I can count. Um, so, yeah, that's Copland. I think uh, I would recommend it. I would recommend it. It's got it. the diner recommendation. Yeah, stamp of approval. Uh, you know, with the acknowledgement, it may not be for everybody, but mm-hmm. uh, check it out. If you have it in a while, give it another shot. Come on. So do it. Yeah. Come on. I give it uh, eight out of ten reconcinemas. Mm. Recon- I don't know what cinemas. those I don't know what those are yet. <laughs> those are something. I, I give it eight out of ten reconcinabuns. Reconcinabuns. Which yeah. is my other podcast where I go to different cinnabuns in airports and rate them and review them. <laughs> That's your day job. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's how I make money. <laughs> I do the reconcinabuns, <laughs> and then ah. I, I throw up the bat signal, and then that means you got to come back to the studio. Get back to the studio. Yeah. It's time to record. Um, but yeah, so that's Copland, and uh, we are going to be back in a couple of weeks. We'll we're see. heading right. I mean, it's like we're at the top of the roller coaster because holiday season is coming. We're screaming right toward the holidays. The next time we're all here together, the millions of you listening right now and Mm us, it's going to be Thanksgiving, and then it's almost Christmas, and then what do we do? New Year's. Then it's 2020. Then we watch, then we review New Year's Eve. Uh huh. The Gary Marshall. We do that every year. Yeah. Yeah, we've been reviewing it every year and not recording it. <laughs> That's just our own personal episode. Yeah, we just talk into microphones that aren't plugged in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check us out on social media. Check out our Twitter and our Instagram and Facebook, Reconcinimation Podcast. Obviously, our website is www.reconcinimation.com. Mm-hmm. Check our archives out there. We've got a ton, tons of old episodes that are uh, great. And all kinds of genres. We're, we're everywhere. We do so, all sorts of movies. Um, but yeah, and then check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star uh, rating and a review. It always helps the show and gives us uh, a little boost. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to thank our friends who I haven't thanked in a few weeks. E.K. Wimmer for the theme music and Curtis Moore all, you know, for the fantastic posters and That's artwork always. he does every week. Love those guys. Yeah. And check out E.K.'s uh, podcast, Laser Graves. It's a great great listen a great follow Uh, check that out and uh, we're going to be back in a few weeks with another great episode stay tuned bye now